0: Welcome to Midnight's LEO, a podcast seeking to help law enforcement officers and those who love them experience a more abundant life. I'll be your host, Chaplain Lou Florio. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us for this episode, which I'm calling Idealist, Skeptic, Cynic, scoffer or fool, which one are you? You see, the topic of idealism and cynicism come up a lot in law enforcement circles, often as if they are opposites. I think there's a better way to look at it. Now, as I've started to line up interviews and consider topics for this podcast, I'm reminded how law enforcement is truly a subgroup of the larger society. In sociology, a subgroup is two or more humans who interact and share similar characteristics. A subgroup might be temporary, such as people bonding while waiting at a bus stop, or as they face a similar but passing problem, such as lines of the Department of Motor Vehicles. Yet when people share the same social function or status, or cultural, ethnic, or racial identities and challenges that can come with those, those special bonds might become more profound and lasting. As a social subgroup grows in a sense of unity, both positive and negative communal behavior patterns and outlooks can result. For example, look at law enforcement. Most officers view themselves as set apart from others in their community due to the special nature and challenges of their shared vocation. Over time, they might start to isolate from those outside their law enforcement group. This might not be intentional. Perhaps they feel tired of answering what they view as stupid questions about policing, or grow tired of hearing about another cop who gave someone a ticket 10 years ago while attending a party. And as we've seen recently, much as in the 60s and 70s, some people can lump all of law enforcement together and therefore hate all those associated with law enforcement. The all-cops-are-bastards crowd. These kind of people have always been around. But at times of social turmoil and disorganization, they can feel more safe about coming to the fore with their opinions, if not even attacks. Negative consequences at such times are less likely for them. As humans, as social beings, officers will likely start to more strongly identify and socially bond with those who share in this law enforcement experience over time than with others who do not. This law enforcement subgroup can affirm a sense of self-value and clear purpose. It can become a place of protection, if not escape. That's likely why some bars become cop bars over time. I'm gonna reveal my age again. It's much like that theme song to the old sitcom Cheers. Sometimes you wanna go where everybody knows your name and they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see Our troubles are all the same. So, on one hand, subgroups or subcultures can be positive. They create a place of refuge and strength. Take, for example, what happens after an officer dies. Brothers and sisters in law enforcement grieve with the members of the suffering agency. More than that, they likely take up collections and send all kinds of support. At the same time, Such a strong identity can lead to problems if we're not careful. Isolation can lead to groupthink. Unchallenged, unhealthy attitudes can take root and create a faulty lens for us as we look out on the world. Almost like an infection, negativity and hopelessness spreads. You might hear things like, Everything's terrible. No one can be trusted. We're the only ones who care for one another. This mindset is not reality. It's black and white thinking, the same unhealthy thinking many addicted people develop in the greater society, and that thinking leads them to make poor, if not harmful, choices over time. And yet time and time again, I see law enforcement personnel fall into that same trap. If you look at officers who end up in legal or marital trouble, you often don't have to look very hard to discover they might just share in this black and white, cynical, doomsday kind of thinking. Indeed, departments that tend to have scandals and corruption often share this trait among its employees. Cops are humans, and much like those addicts, we have a choice to be healthy or not. It isn't always easy but it always remains possible. We need to strive to see ourselves in a world as it really is. It isn't all unicorns and rainbows, nor is it all dark and dangerous. A healthy worldview, I would suggest, is in the middle someplace. And as humans, we might find ourselves on a sliding continuum of sorts based on our resiliency factors, liabilities, and our context. I also want to suggest there is no one linear model reflecting all officers' experiences. Everyone is different and conditions and healthy practices may change causing us to switch directions suddenly or over time. We might sometimes seem to bounce from one phase to another dramatically or we might find that we have the means to stay relatively balanced toward the center of the scale. In the best case scenario we will have the resiliency factors, including support networks in and outside of policing, to help maintain what people might label or experience as a more positive, if not healthy, well-rounded attitude about life. In general, though, I find four basic points on that sliding scale. I've identified them based on my personal experience in my own life as an officer and afterwards, plus research, as well as study of what I consider scripture. I call these points idealist, skeptic, cynic, scoffer, or fool. When I bring up the idealist, I'm thinking a lot about my first shift, my first arrest, and the many positive men and women who helped me have a great, if relatively short, law enforcement career. Many people go into policing because they want to help people. Perhaps they've suffered or faced injustices themselves. And so now, They want to protect others from the same fate. None of that's bad in and of itself. But soon the real world breaks in. Our sense of call is going to be challenged by people and events we encounter. We were idealistic and perhaps a bit naive when we started. But now we begin to wonder. Why don't people like me? Why won't they respect me? I'm here to help. Yet after a few weeks or less, we start to discover the truth. The world is a complicated place. It's not easily controllable, and the line between evil and good can easily become blurred. On top of that, you might start to suspect you can't easily trust anyone. You can arrive on a scene to help someone who is injured and be met by insults, rocks, and bottles, or worse. Day after day, facing people who might deceive you, witnessing great suffering, well, all that can wear you down. It can begin to defeat that idealism and transform it into something else, and that can be for good or for ill. I would suggest that a healthy skepticism is an answer to this conundrum. Most faith traditions, Christian or not, understand we live in an imperfect world with imperfect people. In my tradition, Martin Luther used to talk about people being bent inwards upon themselves. We all tend to be selfish, or at least struggle with selfishness. If you're a member of the Abrahamic faith traditions, and by that I mean Jewish, Christian, or Islamic, we often talk about this as a fallen world experience. And so as a person in a fallen world, I recognize that even people who love me might fail me at times, just as I might fail them. We're only human after all. We can do everything right in such a world, but raindrops and sunlight fall on the just and unjust alike. Bad things can happen to good people. It's a dangerous world, and some people echo that danger in the choices they make. But other choices are possible. Some people can be trusted. Some people will even actually do their best to try to love you. And so being a healthy skeptic, like a scientist, we observe and test. We don't have to trust people suddenly or blindly, even as we can hope for the best. We can take proper safety precautions and be ready for things to break bad, but we don't have to be on hyper alert all the time. We can still sit facing the doorways at restaurants. We can be aware of people and and where they keep their hands. We can keep proper distances from people as we talk to them and look for the exits as we enter into a room for safety. We can even ask for backup, but we don't have to assume everyone is evil. A healthy skeptic, in my construct, is a person that knows evil exists in the world, but they aren't themselves consumed by it or fear such evil. They know and trust good exists in the world too, starting within their own life. Another stop in this sliding continuum is the cynic. Some people suggest cynicism promotes safety, Yet again, I would identify for our purposes that a healthy skepticism and cynicism is not the same thing. We're talking of modern cynicism, not the Greco-Roman philosophical approach here. An online article in Psychology Today explains it pretty well. Cynicism acquired its modern meaning in the course of the 18th and early 19th centuries, stripping ancient cynicism of most of its tenets and retaining only the cynic propensity To puncture people's pretensions. Today, cynicism refers to doubt or disbelief in the professed motives, sincerity, and goodness of others, and by extension in social and ethical norms and values. This attitude is often accompanied by mistrust, scorn, and pessimism about others and humanity as a whole. Did you catch that? The modern cynic is a doubter, if not a downer to an extreme. They tend not to trust anyone, and as a result, they often think the worst of everyone. They often feel like victims. And so, the risk here becomes beginning to rationalize one's own cutting of moral and ethical corners. Everyone else does it, so why not you? Who's going to look out for you if not yourself? You, the listener, might feel like life is like that for you at times. I did it one time, but in the end I came to understand it wasn't healthy. I discovered that it left me bitter and self-isolated, suffering needlessly, prone to making choices, not helping but hurting myself and others. Such bad choices, meant perhaps to protect us, can do harm in subtle ways at first, but trust me they can prove to be cumulative I've got stories that I'll probably later share, but research bears this view out. The world is not all bad, even as it might be fallen and dangerous. Being on the defensive from all harm will likely leave a person bitter, alone, and perhaps addicted to unhealthy relationships, alcohol, gambling, or who knows what else. Cynicism can put one at risk of depression, if not suicidal ideation, if we don't somehow get a grip. And what we need to grip onto might just be another imperfect but loving human's hand. The last group on my scale is the scoffer or fool. I'm using some biblical language here from my Judeo-Christian tradition, so let me try to explain it. In the Hebrew scriptures, a righteous person was a person who tried to live in the ways of God. They sought to follow God's laws and precepts because they trust that although the road can be hard, it is the right road for them. These are the decision points needing to be made based on loving morals and ethics that will lead to happiness no matter what others might say. In fact, even as things might prove tough, this person believes one will find joy on the journey in doing the right thing and in pleasing one's understanding of God, one's higher power, or one might even dare say we find joy in just fulfilling the love of God the law of love rather, no matter what consequences might result. This construct I'm suggesting need not be solely a Judeo-Christian one. In my work among native populations using their own religious beliefs, you'll find people speak of following the Red Road, one of traditional, loving, spiritual, communal, and practical practices and choices to free themselves from addiction. Most faith traditions and philosophical paradigms try to help people orient toward what is deemed good, often ultimately loving others as oneself. Yet in the Bible, scoffers and fools choose another way. They make themselves the god of their destiny, regardless of how many times their choices fail them, or no matter who else gets hurt by those choices. And if you are silly enough to want to love others in your choices, well, they say you are the fool. Now, we all can struggle at times with any of these points on the scale, There might be a constant sliding as we mature, or we might have experienced a point on this scale during a prolonged period of our lives before moving into another. Yet for the moment, let's consider those who might find themselves acting similarly to a scoffer or a fool, at least at the moment they face difficulty. There's a prophet recognized in the Jewish, Christian, and Islamic traditions named Habakkuk. That's also pronounced Habakkuk by some. We don't know a great deal about him, but as he was called to represent God amidst the foolish people, people rejecting a life of love, as I just described, he struggled in the face of a community being torn apart by selfishness and division, also amidst the threat of imminent invasion by Babylon, and as he himself was condemned for trying to live in hope, Habakkuk questioned God. In Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 2 through 5 of the Hebrew Scriptures, it reads, O Lord, how long shall I cry, and you will not hear? Even cry out to you violence, and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention rises. Therefore, the law is powerless, and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, perverse judgment, God's unfair judgment in Habakkuk's eyes, proceeds. Then, in response, the Lord replies, Look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded. For I will work a work in your days which you would not believe, though it were told you. God's at work, even if we don't always understand it. Or if you prefer, good is in the world, even if we can't always see it. In short, much like the best friends of God, like Habakkuk, A prophet, even those who look for a healthier road or those who have any kind of spiritual positive faith, can doubt at times. Yet then, let's compare the scoffer, the fool, who is drowning in their doubt and accusation, who exhibits cynicism run amok. For them, there is no hope. All is lost. All is bad. Except what they deem is good for them. An internet Bible resource called Gut Questions explains it this way. The word translated scoffer in English can mean one who mocks, ridicules, or scorns the belief another. In Hebrew, the word translated scoffer or mocker can also mean ambassador. So a scoffer is one who not only disagrees with an idea, but he also considers himself an ambassador for the opposing idea. He cannot rest until he has demonstrated the foolishness of any idea not his own. A scoffer voices his disagreement, ridicules all who stand against him, and actively recruits others to join his side. In the Bible, scoffers are those who choose to disbelieve God and his word. They say in their hearts there is no God, Psalm 14, verse 1, and make it their ambition to ridicule those who follow God. That's a pretty good definition. For our purposes, a scoffer is one who tends to ridicule, if not hate, those who they deem are against them. Often anyone, no matter their faith or not, who dares believe goodness can exist in the world and even further dares to desire to act like it exists in the world. Unfortunately, I've run into too many of these within the law enforcement community. If an officer or other first responder, I expect you can think of a few candidates too. Yet with all that said, not even the scoffer or fool need remain stuck. No matter who we are or what period of life we might be going through, wherever we might be on the scale, help remains always available. When I ran into trouble as a cop a few years in, other more senior and mature officers, including some in the administration, noticed something was up, and they tried to help and encourage me. They pointed me to resources and acted as my friend. These officers actually helped me become who I am today, although nothing so grand was their intention. Yet they did help, so I always give God thanks for them and my experiences. And now that experience is a big part of why I volunteer as a police chaplain today, to try to love as I have been loved and pass that same hope on to others. So, I encourage officers, anyone really, to use the signs of grace around them, look for them. If you had a mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual toolkit, so to speak, what tools might be available to you right now? What might help you? Who might help you? Would counseling, a mentor, or a spiritual director be that kind of resource to you? Could exercise or prescribe medication be the missing piece or part in need of attention, if not repair, to make your life better? Could visiting with old friends or family, not just your law enforcement family, or volunteering among hopeful people, would that be able to help you see beyond your police experience, an experience where we often face a disproportionate amount of evil and suffering? There's a wide variety of methodologies out there, as well as people, that are available through your employee assistance program, wellness team, chaplains, local faith communities, fellowship societies, and among family and friends. These people are out there ready to help you and support you in becoming and staying at your best. And if you try something and it isn't a great fit, try something else. Or reach out to another expert in the field or in the community of faith or among your friends, whatever you like. Options always exist, and you never need get stuck. People do want to love and support you in this very difficult profession. That's why I'm here, and why I've made this podcast. If this podcast were only to help you and no one else, for me that would be well worth all of my time and effort. You are worth it, and what you do in service matters to the world. If this episode has brought up any thoughts or questions you would like to share with me, please do write me at midnightsleo at gmail.com. That's midnightsleo at gmail.com. Until next time, stay safe, do some good, and I hope to see you again soon. Midnight's LEO is copyright 2022 by the Reverend Louis A. Florio, Jr. Any material shared, not copywritten by another entity, remains the property of this creator. Citations and excerpts may be shared for educational purposes, if not for profit, and with proper citation. Scriptural quotations in this podcast, unless otherwise stated, are from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. Additional references for this particular episode may be found in the podcast description. If you have any additional questions, please contact the producer of this podcast.